Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Mike, but uh, now, I, now I just realized that our intro we're going to have to add in West L.A., Aloe is now in West LA. We're still right. in Malibu, but we're in West LA too. And so, we're doing part two of Dopey. Yeah, and we're gonna we got Dave Dopey back it. on the line. We're just gonna fucking continue this conversation in every which way it goes. I know you guys, you know, you had your bet that I couldn't do a twenty minute podcast. No, it turned into an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> All right, the Wild West, baby. So part two with Dave. Yeah, there, there you go. It's uh, working yeah, now. Yeah. So let me so so let me make my point though. They're not arresting people anymore. I mean, at least even in New York City, the biggest junkie haven in the world in the world probably, they still took you overnight and charge you with disorderly contact or conduct. Um, they're not arresting anybody anymore. They're they've decriminalized marijuana. And next is going to be the decriminalization of of opioids. I believe. I believe opioids will be next because these poor people and they're addicted to drugs and they need help and all this kind of stuff. And as soon as I, I can tell you, one of the most like one of the biggest We're contributors here. one of the biggest contributors to me getting sober was the last time I was in jail and it wasn't because of jail I'd been in jail a dozen times it wasn't because you know I kicked there I'd done that three times it was a guy who was in jail and so I was really scared I had these new charges that I'd never been involved with which is talking about state prison time and i had never been in that kind of trouble before it was always like worst case scenario you're going to get a year in county you do three months or whatever but when it started talking about this new charges this grand theft auto was prison time i was scared shitless i was and you're in custody and you get these panic attacks and like oh my god i'm never going to get out of here and then i'm going to prison and so there was a guy who's known as a jailhouse lawyer and you had to put money on his books to right. to sit with him after dinner before lights out in the cafeteria area and he would he just he knew more about the criminal justice system and the what judge you had and what 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 charges you had and what the DA was going to think than any lawyer I've ever met still to this day and I've worked with some of the best lawyers in America so I sit down with him and his name's 40 mil and I'm thinking, you know, everything in my world is drugs. So I'm thinking 40 mil is like 40 milliliters. Like he's a junkie and he shoots up. Was that a pseudonym for him? Like he's a lawyer and he had like a fake name? <laughs> no, he's he's a convict. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a jailhouse lawyer is what they're called. He knows this is... It's like 40 million. Oh, I, I he's been, yeah, it's a 40 mil is the gun. He was on an, a murder appeal charge. This is what I found out later. So he was already in prison for life and he was appealing, but he knew everything. And you would put money on his books and you would sit with him for 15 or 20 minutes and he'd go through you and tell you what to do about your cases. Really? So, yeah. And this guy, here's, I sit down, you know, they call, he has a concierge, he has a guy that stands next to him and then says, you know, your name and you go up there and get to sit down at the metal table with him. And I sit down and he goes, I have my little list of charges written in pencil on my piece of paper. And, and, uh, and he goes, what's a motherfucker like you doing up in here? And I was like, and I showed him the paper and I slid it over to him. You know, it has all my charges on it. The booking, the, you know, the 
numbers or whatever. And he goes, no, no, no. He pushed the paper back to me. He goes, what's a motherfucker like you doing up in here? He thought you were Boy George or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, I don't understand. And he goes, well, look around. You've been here a while, motherfucker. What do you think? Like, most of these motherfuckers never had a chance at nothing. You look like a college-educated boy. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, it's all drugs, isn't it? And I was like, oh, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, you should think about that. Cause you can, you know, I'll, I'll help you with all this. I'll tell you what I think, but you keep doing dope, you're gonna end up back here, the same shit. And Sounds I, like forty million was a very gifted guy. Well, not 40, only was he such a gifted lawyer, but he's like an amazing counselor. <laughs> he was the he's, greatest, he's an interventionist. He was the greatest drug counselor I ever had. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Forty mil. He was a genius. I wonder where forty mil is now. Uh, well, this was twenty three years ago, and he was in his. 50s probably i hope he's still around but he i kept thinking about that like i thought about i was in jail for another month i just kept thinking like if i keep doing dope i'm just just gonna happen again even if i'm able to deal with all this and and what happened was a bunch of luck and a bunch of like you know stuff that happens in junkie world where i didn't end up going to prison and i really think that those words like you keep doing dope you're just gonna be in the same old shit anyways like that really struck with me. So anyways, what, what the point I'm trying to make is they don't arrest kids anymore. I have kids do the most outrageous things like hold guns to their parents' heads and like steal, right. steal cars and, and claims they're going to commit suicide and drive cars off the cliff and right, all right. kinds I'm of hearing crazy this stuff shit. Too. I'm hearing kids that threaten to trouble. kill their parents. They don't get in trouble. There's no consequences There's except no for them consequences. dying. And so I think that we need to think about that. Like I'm a big advocate that you shouldn't get life in prison for your third offense of selling LSD. We need kind of a, a f to figure this justice system out. And, you know, I don't, do I have faith we're going to? No, I think we're going to swing in this pendulum where, you know, even Republicans want to reduce the cost of the prison system. You're seeing Jared Kushner and Trump talk about prison reform. What do you think that means? It means cost reduction, right? right. That's all it means. They don't give a fuck. But you always say this, Bob. You always say, the thing that you always say that I love is when you say, you can't teach, I got it. You can't you give, can't, I got it to somebody. But jail helps. <laughs> right the, no the consequences absolutely consequences help. so do they still um not arrest you for possession of heroin in new york city they give it some that other charge what was it disorderly conduct. no i i i got disorderly conduct because i was white i got disorderly um, conduct yeah, because i, I like yeah. i said the right thing to the cop you know like really? that's why i i mean like my buddy todd wound up in rikers island for two weeks he said the day he got there uh, somebody committed suicide in his cell that he, he smoked crack in the cell. He like, and, and like then my friend Todd died six weeks uh, before Chris died this summer. Oh my like, God. like it, it, it was, uh, and he overdosed because he didn't have any consequences, you know? Right. And, and when you think about it, there are some that are just so crazy. Like I, we have friends like that. Like I don't want to name names, but there are friends that are just so crazy. Earache would come to mind. Right, Mike? Yeah. So crazy. And and a lot of times we stigmatize who's so crazy, but I do believe that Chris was so crazy, right? 
that that a year in prison doesn't change him. A year in Los Encinas. Yeah, let me tell you something. A year, what he bragged about of Los Encinas, that place was not Club Med. He was in with mentally ill, schizophrenic people talking to themselves. He just Dude, he told a story. He told a story about sitting with a skinhead and masturbating with the skinhead watching porn with this deranged character. And the deranged character asked Chris if he could suck Chris's dick. In Los Encinas Hospital. It, no, it was it was it was like off campus or something. It was like an apartment off campus in one of these places in California. Did he let the guy suck his dick? No, it was one of my favorite stories though because it was like because Chris oh, he, was just so not that at the same time. He, you so, know? yeah, he was a strange character, but I can there, totally see there was that. another there was another guy right around the same time as Chris that was the same thing. He had the same doctor, um, right? That. These people just treated it like it was theater. You know what I mean? So one of the things, I watched a Manson family documentary last night. The way they made fun of the court, the trial, right? I don't know if you ever watched the Manson yes. story. Yes, but the way that they sang songs and joked around, yeah. that's how Chris did ment a mental hospital. You know what I mean? Everything was a joke, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. So, So at a certain point... Like even as crazy as I or Mike Mart or Smog or or friends of ours got and some legendary crazy, there was still you knew how like I'm here to get better or whatever. And there are certain people, and I've observed them because I worked in luck in interestingly in a chemical dependency psych ward. So I saw the people like they just everything's just kind of a joke and kind of a goof, right? And and that's dangerous when you have a, a, a deadly drug problem. It's not dangerous right. if you're an alcoholic. I hate to tell you, it's not. It's not deadly if you're if you're into snorting coke. But when you're mixing benzos and heroin and fentanyl and all that, that's a dangerous yeah. kind of attitude to have, right? And so, anyways, I I just feel for for his fiance and you and everybody. And he was a fun, vibrant, crazy guy. But on a certain level, there were certain things that I observed that are just pretty out there, right? It's just weird. The, the other thing about it to me that's weird, and I think about this all the time, is like, you know, he had four years, maybe. You know, I believe, I, I don't know why I'm so naive to it, but I believe he had the four years. Well, I just always take a year off. So my one of my best friends uh, took a nine-year cake and then, relapse and you know and then the relapse became apparent and then he confessed that he, that was a dirty cake at nine years and i just subtracted two years and i just said it's probably seven right or six you probably you know what i mean and he right it's really it's so touchy and that guy's now 14 years sober and it's still touchy you know what i mean right, how long right, were you right. really fucking sober because it's so shaming and i think we need to get rid of that shame like it's not it, it's you, this idea of time, time doesn't exist. You don't own the past. It's over, right? Right, right. So, so talk about that more. That interests me. Yeah. Keep talking about that. What I, do you mean by that exactly? Well, I learned it when I was like four and a half years sober. So I was lucky enough to make some dough about four and a half years sober, and I was going to buy this house, right? How did you make the money, by the way? From music, from the bicycle thief, right? Nice. And so okay. I lived in a in an affordable house in Echo Park, south of the freeway, and it was going to be four hundred thousand dollars. I remember. So um, 
I go to the mortgage thing, and the, the you know the owner of the house was trying to help me. He was the greatest guy and a cool guy. He had been my landlord for years, and um, so he had this mortgage person, and they said, "Well, with your credit, you need to put ten percent down." And so that was forty thousand. I I had that probably like I was going to borrow some money. But I mean, I basically could come up with that, and then my mortgage was going to be twice as much as my rent. So I was paying twelve hundred; it was going to be two thousand. So, and I'm nervous, and I'm like, "Why is this happening?" So then I talked to a friend of mine who really knows houses and real estate and money. He goes, "Well, what the fuck?" He looks at the deal. He goes, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And I was like, "Why?" And he goes, "The the numbers don't make sense. You shouldn't be paying two thousand on to carry three fifty. And so then I was paying five and three quarters percent interest because I was un, unmortgageable, right? Right, yeah. And I remember, like, the idea, because how I was publicly perceived as this miracle transformation person who's been sober and helped all these people, and the fact was I was a complete failure as a 40-year-old man. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I I had the worst credit. I had a 520, 540 credit rating, and I found this weird place that would mortgage a house to me, but at five percent interest, which is crazy amount, five and three quarters, that's crazy. So you're you're gonna pay how much? You're gonna pay tw two and a half times the value of the house because you got shitty credit. And I remember just thinking like I I look good on the outside, but the fundamentals of me as a grown adult are right. are bullshit. Rotten. And I think you you mentioned just buying a house. You understand, right? You just bought oh, a house. I, 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 we, we bought the house because my, my wife's parents had decided to buy her a house. You know what I'm saying? Like They bought us a house, and I just pay them. They put all the money down, and I pay them. So you know month. what I'm talking about. The, the, yeah, are you kidding me? So like I, just I, I know thinking, from going to the dentist... You know, that my teeth show who I am. Right. You know what I mean? And you so look in my we, mouth and you see who I, I was. How do we kind of accept that and then go about the business of what it takes to be a grown adult? And and that's when I got rid of time. Time didn't matter. I was four and a half years sober and everybody thought I was the greatest guy in the world. And the fact was I had just gone to meetings and not taken dope. And yes, I had worked the steps and I, you know, it was a more at peace person and I had done all the stuff that AA people talk about, but that's not being an adult in this society. It's not. And, the, and so then that's when time just became irrelevant to me. And it's been, then it was, I remember eight years sober and I was like, for, for not taking drugs for eight years, I'm pretty much a loser. I remember thinking that. So what's here, what's weird is I have other friends that like live by how long they've been sober and that's all that matters to them. Right. Right. And, and so then I, then my problems with my older son, I realized like, Oh my God, I just don't know how to do anything right. It doesn't matter that I haven't taken drugs in 10 years. I don't know how to do anything right. I don't know how to hold a job consistently or build a career. I don't know how to stay at a job when, when I, when, when, you know, I've made mistakes and I'm embarrassed. I don't know how to raise a kid. I don't know how to have a real relationship. I don't know how to do anything. And I was 10 years sober, right? So sobriety does, the length of sobriety shouldn't mean anything 
We're right. trying, you know, at a certain point, it's just AA that became fascinated with it. Bill and Bob weren't fascinated with it. I guarantee you, if you went back to 1943 and asked everyone in the AA group in Brooklyn, how long are you sober? They wouldn't even fucking know. That became a thing as AA evolved. You know Why I mean? do you suppose that did become a thing? Because, because, because you know, people have egos that they can't um, let go of. Well, Gloria Scott kind of told me why you keep your sobriety date. She was told by uh, a guy named, oh, I always forget his name, the greatest sponsor that sponsored Earl Hightower and Buddy Arnold and Mel and all these great 12-steppers from all of Los Angeles. He had been sober since the 50s. Um uh, fuck, I forget his name. They still have a meeting on Christmas that's named after this great AA guy. And he knew Bill, and he knew Abby, and he knew all those people. And so he was closest to the source of anyone I've ever met, right? Right, And right, he right. said, he told her, she was his, her, he was her sponsor, told Gloria Scott, you, you remember your sobriety date so you can remember what your life was like the day the miracle happened. Right. Not to measure how long you narcissistically have achieved since then. To remember the miracle that happened on that day. And I don't and know, though, Bob. I think it's all true. Like I think when people in my meetings say, I only have today, I know that's true. But I also know when someone has 25 years, it's a lot of today's. It's a lot of today's, but the, why, why do we remember the sobriety date? The sobriety date being so important when it was first established in, in the original groups was to remember the miracle that happened to you. Then over time, it evolved into this, it's been three and a half years since the miracle. It's been eight years. It's been 25 years since the miracle. But, but I have a feeling that society didn't tolerate the childishness that modern society allows adults to be. It was just unacceptable to be like how I was at eight years sober. You would be publicly shamed. Instead, I was publicly celebrated. Do you understand? It's yeah. crazy. Our society is nuts and backwards and stupid, right? And so I just think that that that's why I wanted to talk about the fire in the beginning. Like, listen, we're okay. Al is okay. Our clients are safe. The dog, the animals and everybody at the farm are safe. All the employees are safe. Everything's cool. We'll figure it out. But, but I hate what I see on the internet and all these recovery websites about, oh, the plight of the rehabs and all these rehab people telling about their, oh, it was so scary and so whatever. Fuck you. You're out there profiteering off of a beautiful, serene environment that people work their asses off to be able to live there. And you should not be talking about all this stuff in public. You should just get your clients safe, rebuild and whatever, and keep your mouth shut. There are families that lost everything. One of my friends lost everything. Everything. Right. When you look at his house, there's just a gate, and then there's just nothing. Right? Nothing. A whole empty quarter acre of land. Right? That's his house. That's where his child's nursery was. That's where his photographs of his family are. That's where his clothes were. That's where his home was. It's a but his family place. survived the whole thing, Bob? Huh? His family survived. Yeah, yeah he survived. Died. Everybody survived. But the point right. is, the people really lost their homes. And to hear rehab people talk about the rehab they lost, oh my God, it just made me sick. Right? 
yeah. it's priorities and it's and it's and it's like you know thanksgiving is here and it's like you know thanksgiving is the best holiday addicts have going you know people in recovery to find their gratitude you know for what they have yeah, and I think, I, think. It, I think it's simple. Like, you got your friends, you got your health, you, whatever, whatever. You got your you family, your fucking yeah. head is on straight. Yeah. You're not fucking sick in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, like I forgot, like, I, I still look at, like, old tracks on my hands, and they almost don't look like my hands. Do you know what I mean? Like, my, it's like, it's weird. Okay, like, I got it's like, it's like two as lives. You're, as you're talking about gratitude, so there's been this whole melodrama about all the rehabs in Malibu. I'm I'm reading something that just got texted to me from all the people that I work with. People are posting that they're having their clients move back to Malibu later this week. It's possible if services get restored. So the point being, what happened was all the telephone poles burned down. So there's no electricity, there's no telephone, there's no internet, there's no nothing. But, I mean... You know, I just want everyone to know Malibu's fine. The rehabs are fine. Nobody died. Everything's okay. Um, and time to, yeah, live in gratitude, be thankful, and carry on. That's that's really the aloe motto. That's our motto. You know, we'll carry on. We'll be okay. We feel for really the families who lost their homes, you know, because I feel for those people all the time. We live next door to them with a bunch of people smoking and yelling and, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, sure. <laughs> the the main house that Aloe has that burned down. When we first went there, I was like, looked at it, and it, was, it seemed like a rehab house or whatever. And then I was standing out in the parking lot, and I looked, and I saw a kid playing basketball, like a 10- or 12-year-old kid playing basketball in his yard about 40 feet away. And I And then my partners came out, and I go, look at that. And he's looking at us like, you know, you guys are going to be my new neighbors. I wonder if they have a son. Yeah. I know what he was thinking. I wonder if they have a son so that we can be friends. You know what I mean? What was the picture of the one that you that you sent us to me and Chuck? That's that know. house, right? And yeah. there's a gray house right behind it. Did you see that? No, the uh, the one on PCH is not gone. Yeah, no, the the beautiful the cool blue house is still there the farm. Hey, did you see the picture of the of the llamas or the alpacas out on tied to the 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 uh, Zuma Beach lifeguard station? No. It was kind of a, a big image that was in New York Times media, I saw it on CNN. I think I saw it. Yeah. yeah that those are our animals. That's aloe animals. <laughs> wow. <laughs> from from so from the, from that house oh, didn't wow. burn down, but we had to get the animals out of there to safety. So what do you guys do? Alpaca therapy? What yeah, do you do with the I mean, alpaca? we just have a bunch of animals, and we we. I mean, you know, we thought we would have this big farm where the clients would work on the farm, and it just never worked yeah. out. So we just have a bunch of animals, and it's cool. And a lot of animals get hit by cars and we take them and there's these great people called um big heart ranch that really run the ranch and bob has lots of ideas all the time i really thought we were gonna well, evan the, evan, too. The, evan is as, as crazy as me i thought we were gonna have pizza like, places. no i thought we yeah pizza to, places pizza that places was gonna be another to one employ. we're gonna have aloe pizza parlors too but no we were gonna have this <laughs> like pizza recovery we places gonna, where they could work we were gonna grow I love that we make gonna, the pizza we were gonna grow stuff on the farm the addicts were gonna tend it and then we were gonna produce like salad dressing like aloe salad dressing 
embarrassing. And we try and we tried it. We tried it like for two weeks, and nothing really. They started complaining. I don't fucking need to do this. I'm supposed to be in rehab. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like the Raj Nishi's rant. Like he wanted Aloe to be like, like wild country. I really thought they'd get all into gardening and like like you're here. here. Shovel the shit. <laughs> It never worked. <laughs> so then we, uh, there's this great thing called Big Heart Ranch, and they had lost their property. And then Evan and Jared said, like, why don't we just let them have the ranch that's behind the rehab house? And so that's what those animals are. Big Heart Ranch is animals. But our clients, like, go out there and smoke and look at them. <laughs> <laughs> Serene. Yeah, that's serenity. <laughs> Like, you know, Dave, you're thinking there's equine therapy. Actually, there's like a smoking area that they kind of sit at and look at the alpacas and the horses. They're like, I'm glad I don't have to take care of those fucking animals, man. <laughs> you know, you That's try funny. to do what you can do. The pizza parlor, you guys, I forgot about you the too? pizza parlor idea. Oh my so that God. was my newest great. idea. We were going to have aloe pizza parlors and all the people now patient work at the pizza parlor. Like after they're done with their detox and everything, yeah, like yeah, that, they yeah. Get when they're jobs outpatient. and they get paid in the front, but they, they live can't. In the back. They can't seem to get jobs. So we were thinking, what if we created pizza parlors that they could work in? Right, but it probably go as good as the farm. What do you think, Dave? <laughs> I think uh, for some reason in Canaan, Connecticut, where where Chris and I went to rehab, they stayed. They all became groundskeepers on the rehab. And they all took care of the grounds. I think, like, I love the idea of the fucking aloe pizza parlor or the acai bowl fucking place and they're making <laughs> fucking super fruit bowls. But, like, you know, you got to find... It's all about the right bunch. You know, one generation of kids or, or addicts are going to love staying there. And then, and then one guy is going to go... You know what I mean? It's unpredictable. But I, I love the idea of a self-sustained model. I think it's super cool. Now, how do you, you know, sell like a client on that, though? You know, like you know, this is what we well, do. Well, it started with Bob and the Monster. So everybody so you gave to them me that, like you're going to be working. No, but people like look up to me, think I was some hero for working in a restaurant. And I say, you know, it wasn't by choice, really. I didn't have any job, and nobody wanted me to do anything, and I I wanted to maintain my independence i had to make money i knew how to work you know one of the things that's that's strange about all the people i know that got sober we had worked as teenagers i worked i worked at you know where i worked mike i worked at licorice pizza on golden west and Ed, and uh uh edinger right by golden west college i worked at licorice pizza i worked at wendy's I worked at a pizza parlor delivering pizza. I worked cleaning banks. I worked at the Cafe de Grand DJing. I worked at the LA Weekly as a messenger. I knew how to work by the time I, you know. I yeah, worked, but nobody was telling you you but had I, to work. No, but I worked from, what I'm saying is, I worked from 17 to 22 or 23. Like, you just worked when you right. were a kid. Now the, Nowadays, kids don't work because old people take those jobs. You know what I yeah, mean? Because they're trying yeah, to yeah. subsidize their Medicare, right? But Bob, isn't the real issue that you can't make these kids do anything? You make the kid do something, and they <clears throat> beg to leave, and right, they fucking right. leave. That's what I'm saying. You can't, you can't tell them they have to work. That's no, you can't. But, but what I'm saying is they don't have a work ethic like baby boomers and Gen Xers did because there's no jobs for young people at 16. Remember, don't you remember when we were kids, when you went to McDonald's? It was a bunch of kids from high school after school working there. Now it's like a full-time career for like 
50-year-old people to work at McDonald's. It's the economy that's broken. You know what I mean? I get so sad when I see like, I mean, some people that are, are happy doing it, but when I see like people in their 70s working at Walmart, it's so wrong. It's wrong. And those jobs used to be 16 and 17-year-old kids in, that were in high school that worked those jobs. And so I don't blame the millennials. There's not been any jobs for them when you're 16, 17. That whole world of being a high school student and working 20 hours a week somewhere is gone. It just vanished. When I was 19, I moved to Vail, Colorado. To work on a ski lift? No, to stucco houses. Oh, God. I had a, I had a, my brother had a trailer there and I moved and he didn't want me in the trailer. So I had to camp in the woods <laughs> and then I would sneak wow. down to the hotel and I would take a shower in their hotel. When somebody like would get, leave. Yeah, when, when I would somebody act would like leave. a guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I've done some weird jobs, but I know what you're talking about. You know, there's no jobs I mean, like whatever that you kids. had to do to survive, you did, right? But, and I, but I had like, to haul mud up these giant scaffoldings but that's, and That's statins. when you, after high school, I'm saying there's no high school jobs anymore. They've been taken by real adults. Because we have a service industry economy. Real adults used to work at Xerox and used to work at Postal Instant Press and all these jobs that used to exist that paid you, you know, in the eighties fourteen dollars an hour, which was a career that you could that you could have a home and have a family. family. Yeah, now those jobs those jobs don't exist anymore. So now all those. 30 and 40 something high school diploma only people are working the jobs that the teenagers used to get after school at Walmart at McDonald's at you know what I'm saying there's new companies that are great like Starbucks I think it's an amazing company I wish that other companies would model after that where you get you get a fair wage and you get health care and you get, you know what I mean? I can't, I'm so... Well, Costco I, too. I hate it when liberals talk shit about Starbucks. It's one of the shining examples of what a huge corporation could be. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And it's, it's amazing how the growth of it, I'll tell you that. I mean, you can't walk two blocks without seeing three of them. It's like, I don't understand it. Well, how amazing. does, I mean... Where are all these people? Who are all these people that need to go to Starbucks all day? Isn't, it there, two, isn't there two Starbucks now in St. Mark's Square? St. Mark's? I think so. Probably. My, my, sure. friend, my friend described Starbucks as a bathroom you can get coffee at, yeah, which right. I love. <laughs> well, <laughs> because I, because I, use, I use Starbucks for the bathroom, and their bathrooms are impeccably clean, too. I know, but, Not, but one of my problems is there's only one for like 90 people drinking coffee, and you try going there at 7 in the morning and pooping, you're not going to be able to. And don't no, get them no. started about getting a cup of milk there either. <laughs> I used to love shooting dope in the Starbucks bathrooms because, like, they let you go in there. It was always clean. If you go early enough, there's nobody there. Locks like, I, the I, I, I find, like, when I go to bathrooms now, I'm just like, you just think about all the junkies that have passed through there during that day or whatever. Well, I see them because there's the, where Elvis lives with his mom's place called Highland Park. It's still semi-gentrified but then it's still junkies and whatever and and you know elvis has this thing where he doesn't tell you he needs to pee until pee is almost coming out of his penis right right you say hey, elvis you have to pee like we're if we're out of bathroom he'll say no 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 and he's shaking his leg and he's bouncing he just doesn't like to pee until 
he has to pee as an emergency. So a lot of times I'm dealing with emergency peeing situations and he won't pee outside. I don't know why. He's got this weird thing about it. He grew up in the city and you just don't pee outside. So why? I don't know. I grew up in a rural area in Palm Springs. You just peed outside all the time. There was no place else to pee. But he grew up in Hollywood and Los Angeles, so you have to go to the bathroom. So we're, you know, go to Jack in the Box or McDonald's or Starbucks, and he's jumping, jumping, jumping. He has to pee, has to pee. Dave, it's because Bob's his dad. That's why. (laughs) It's when they go to a fast food restaurant. Elvis says, "Dad, Dad, don't." Don't start a problem. Don't start a problem, Dad. <laughs> he does say that at Disneyland. He'll be like, "Please don't start." Because like, I afraid to be. <laughs> I had the good, I had the weirdest thing happen at Disneyland the other day. I just got to tell you, it's you're gonna love this, Dave. So Sydney wants a pink mini Mickey Mouse hat, right? So then they're pretty cheap. They're only like thirteen bucks or something. So I go, okay, let's get it. And I say, can you put her name on it? And I say, I want it to say Sydney Magic, because Magic is Sydney's real legal middle name. Sydney Magic Forest, right? They say, you only get one name. I said, I'll pay double whatever for Sydney Magic. And she goes, you know, and it was one of those corporate things I talk about all the time. She had no way of understanding what I was trying to convey to her. So she called her supervisor. This is at Disneyland by Autotopia at a hat store in Disneyland. All I was asking is just charge me double for putting another name on there. Sydney Magic. And I showed the woman how there was room for both names. And she said, no, it's only one name. And I said, yeah, but I'll pay. Here's the deal. I'll buy two hats. But I want the names for both. I'm hats. just one of them. Yeah. <laughs> one hat. Leave it's the just, other one blank. So, so that's when Elvis. <laughs> Elvis was at school. He wasn't with us. So, but he would have just started. Dad, please, please, Dad, don't, don't, don't. Chrissy now just walks away, and she'll just take the kids with her. And I, you know, and you're torn. Then you're Dave. You're married, so you know. Like when your wife walks away with your kids, and you're arguing with somebody at a at a at a fast food restaurant or something, you're in this panic mode. Like I'm supposed to be leaving. Where are they going? They got to back me up here. What the fuck is going on here? Uh, it's, it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> Every time we go to buy anything, they'll tell me the price, you know, and I'll whistle. I go. Oh, that's a lot of money. Jesus, Whenever they tell me the price, anyway, <laughs> that's a good I do that because I think it's so funny. And uh, and my wife gets so mad. And uh, and she goes, she goes, excuse him, he's trying to be funny. And my daughter thinks it's so funny because I think it's funny. Like she's not, she the obnoxiousness has not hit my daughter. It just hits my wife. And I do it <laughs> no matter what. Oh, it can be God. like the best deal or the worst. But I whistle and I say. That's a lot of money. <laughs> so you, so you guys are really, really going for it here. And like, and, and I, and I, I, I wear out my welcome with my family. I, we had a woman on the show. Okay, check this out. We had a woman on the show this last week. One of my best friends. Her name is Aurora. Her mother and her father met at the methadone clinic. She was raised by her grandparents, and she said that when she was a kid. Her junkie mother, who was obviously an active addiction, would go down to the Catholic school and call the nuns cunts. Now, imagine Ooh. getting embarrassed by Ooh. your junkie mom showing up at school who calls the nuns cunts. And then you see Bob Forrest at fucking Disney asking for <laughs> Sydney Magic to be on a fucking pink hat. It's like we're talking about the 
total spectrum of, of embarrassment from junkie to junkie in recovery. It's like the funniest thing in my mind. Because even if we're active or if we're sober, it's still embarrassing our children. But you, you know? said the greatest thing, junkie. So guess what? It turns out that there is a way to put two names on the hat if you get the Hyphen. custom. Hyphen. If you get the no, you have to get the custom, not the stitch name that's traditional. You have to get the custom like thing. It takes an hour, and you have to pay seven ninety nine for each name. I said, "Oh my God, go for it!" <laughs> oh <laughs> did, my God! Did, now, how long did it take her to get that approved? Well, the supervisor had to come. Oh. I, I was there for like 15 minutes. Oh, but dude, that's like your personal hell. You're like, you don't understand. This is two names. I'm going to pay double. You have the stitching. You have the room on the hat. And they're like, I'm sorry, Mr. Forrest. That's not in our protocol. And she was at a certain point, she was questioning that her real middle name was Magic. I said, no, her name is Magic. See, but what you got to realize, Bob, is you're dealing with somebody who has a job and they have to go to like these meetings called, um, what did they call them? Where it's management team, training, like team, team, yeah, yeah, team yeah. sort of F, like thing where they all get together. Well, they're all scared of being fired. They're all scared of being fired. And I, I just feel for the American workers, don't be scared of being fired. Do the cool thing do the right thing that's how you rise above that's how you rise above i'm telling you right by breaking the rules by well just by being human like what I, if you said what if you said my daughter's name is sydney magic and it's a hyphen name like one of these weird names yeah, you know what yeah, i'm saying oh, like it's yeah I, I bet you they get that a lot and that's the con that's why the rule probably exists yeah right Right, the hyphenated names, of the, but get this, I'll tell you, at the height of my career in chemical dependency, I had a guy who was being milked like Chris was being milked at Los Encinas, just staying there because his family would pay cash unlimited, right? He comes to uh -huh. me and he goes, did you hear what happened today? And he'd been in the hospital for like three months and he was so looking forward to you know, graduating and whatever, and the course, you know, the powers of be, meaning the money, people making money off of his illness, wanted him to stay another month just to make sure, just to make sure. And he and I had grown this kind of friendship, right? So he comes to my office, he goes, did you hear what happened today with so-and-so, the doctor, Chris's doctor also? And I said, well, I can imagine. And he said, they think I should stay another 30 days. And I said, well, mm, yeah, I get it. Why? His name was Bill. I was like, Bill, what are you, why are you in here? And he goes, because if you tell me that 30 more days here will really help me and is really critical to me staying sober, I'll stay. But if you think that they're trying to just con me out of money, please tell me the truth. And I said, they're trying to con you out of money, Right. And he said, thank you for being honest. And he stayed the 30 days anyways, right? But he just wanted somebody to not be full of shit, right? Do you, yeah. you understand? And I think a lot of people are looking for somebody just to be human. You ever talk to somebody in a, in a situation like my Disneyland thing or your thing with the price of something where they're just human or, or diffusing or make a joke or... Yeah, like it's when you do the, yes. it's it's human, and you're not gonna get them fired, or you're not gonna do anything wrong. You just like it's just human. Like, you know what I'm saying? We need to be more human in this country because we're 
yeah. we, we I, I think it's really important when you whistle when somebody says so what is it like like if it's if it's at a food restaurant and you say how much is a, a cheeseburger with <laughs> onion rings and they say 899 you go Shh, right what what's what's the that's i lot. can't whistle like that because i've got because i've got i've got bridges what but is it dave what is, what is what is the best reaction you've ever gotten from somebody when you did that they look at me and they see me smiling and they die laughing you know what i mean it's like that's human it's like, yeah it's that moment where they it's like life's life can suck we're all in it together let's we're have a laugh in it you know together. what i mean what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, and you're stuck. I mean, I work in this fucking restaurant. I'm, I'm a slave in this restaurant. And I say crazy stuff to the customers. Like, I, I just say crazy stuff. Yeah, but it's so loud there. A lot of times you can't hear. Do you guys have, do you guys have team meetings? Team? Oh, no, but that's the funniest thing. Aren't you open 24 hours a day? How would you ever have a meeting? Oh, there's no meeting. If we had a meeting, nobody would go. And if people, if people went, Nobody would listen. I work in the Wild West big time. Like, it's crazy where I work. And I've been running, I've been doing this new thing for, for the restaurant I work at, this catering initiative, where I take our restaurant and we go someplace. So we just went to uh, Philadelphia. We went to this, this corporate park outside of Philly, right? At a, at a, at a huge financial company. I shouldn't say it on the show, but who cares? Um, and... And the catering where we go, they have a team meeting before the work. And it's this nice lady who's very, like, alpha. And she's like, all right, everybody, we're going to do the pre-service meeting now. And they go around this room of, like, Jamaican guys and Spanish guys who each have to present what they're going to serve, okay? They don't speak publicly. They do it in this team meeting. Every item they say they're going to serve, everybody claps after uh after they say <laughs> everything they say everybody starts clapping that's kind of like a, people. wait that's kind of like an laaa meeting uh. yeah. Yeah. yeah nobody's clapping in the manhattan ones and then they get to me and the guy the lady's like well what are you gonna do and i said well we're cutting pastrami and corned beef and you know we have pickles and we have coleslaw and potato salad and they all clap and i went oh thank you and i went thank you very much and i said and if you guys want we'll give you guys a taste too and they start clapping again. I went, this is the best. Oh, you know, but it was like a joke. It Free was like pickles. a joke, you know? It's like, at these, they force humans to exist in a way that they think is more human, but it's obviously very much, right. very you know, less. You should human. try whistling and going, and it's Woo! a lot, too. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I know. Dude, you wouldn't believe what we're charging for half a sandwich. Hey. But don't tell anybody. Uh. On a, on a completely different note, how's your teeth, Dave? Do you need implants? Do you need stuff done? My teeth are fucked up, Bob. All right, well, I'm getting mine fixed, and let me tell you something. It's not as scary as I've thought for 20 years. It's doable. I've been scared of getting implants. Every time one of those commercials comes on television, I say, well, I can't do it because I don't want to be under, and I don't want opiates, and, and I, I found a dentist. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And so I just want to tell everyone that's a junkie that's like me that never wanted to get your teeth fixed. It's doable. He's working with me financially. Um, 
because I don't have the money to pay $40,000. I think there's certain junkies that can take a lot of pain. Like, I'm one of those two, yeah. right? Like, when I go to the dentist or whatever, if I get a tooth or whatever, I'm like, nothing, okay, dude? And and, and give me that. Uh, People think we're insane for being that way. 800 milligram or 800 yeah, milligram. Yeah, 800 milligram ibuprofen. ibuprofen. That's like what I got. It's a giant fucking Motrin. And uh, that's it. That's it. Why are people... I think because you've kicked so many times so hard, like sometimes in jail, on the floor, you know what I mean? Freezing cold. Just I've been through a lot of shit and and so I can handle it. you had to kick every month. But you have that. Has that been one of the impediments? I mean, here's the impediments for junkies getting the implants and getting their teeth fixed. Financial, it costs a lot of money, right? My whole mouth, like what he did, and this is a guy who's been wonderful to me and he's giving me just cost and all that what he did on my mouth over a three-week period of time cost fourteen fifteen thousand dollars and it's right. costing me like four or five and i don't have to pay it all at once it's right. doable mike's pointing out that we've been on the phone you were going to talk for 20 minutes 20 dave minutes, and we've talked for 90 to to talk for 90 minutes, minutes dave. dave 90 minutes we're on an hour listen, and a half Bob, now. Bob, listen real carefully <laughs> You're still calling in to Dopey on Wednesday. Yeah, I am. And it, it's going to be 20 minutes, man. For real. <laughs> Fucking, you know, because you, you know what we have on, on Wednesday? It's what? the thanks. It's the Andy Dick Thanksgiving Spectacular. Oh, my God. Is okay? Andy going to be on? Andy, I interviewed Andy uh, two weeks ago. And uh, he, he was saying how he's not on drugs anymore. No, he's never been how, on drugs. Dude, you're getting some real celebrities on. He's your never shit. been on drugs. I gotta go pee. He's never been Dude, on drugs. Oh no, I Bob's hustle, leaving. It's like an hour and a half, and Bob's pee. leaving to go. He's dragging his headphones. He's going to pee. It's a, Can you hear? Hey. Let me just tell you this funny story. Yeah, you're tell me, Dave. Dave. Go ahead. Okay. This is your opportunity to actually talk. Well, I appreciate that. So, fucking Andy Dick comes on and he says he's not an addict anymore. He's only addicted to his girlfriend, okay? And he fucked his girlfriend 30 times the night before, and she came 35 times, and blah, blah, really? blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what he said. And, and and Andy was a pleasure, by the way, on the show. But then, and he's just saying over and over how he's a sex addict, he's a love addict, he loves this girl, blah, blah, blah. And, um... Wait, and, hold and, on. And, what? Oh, you could hear Bob peeing. I was, I was peeing. With the door open. Go ahead. So he's... Bob, you're, you're okay. missing the story? No, I you've know, got the headphones, the headphones I never want Go to ahead, miss Dave, Dave talking. Okay, I listen to headphones. please, Bob. Andy's so listen, a so love addict. Andy, Andy's a love addict. I, I believe and, uh, that. And so, and and he was great on the show. And it's going to be, you're going to, it's going to be our Thanksgiving fucking Andy Dick Spectacular with Bob Forrest and my wife, I think, is going to be on. It's oh, going to be a wall-to-wall well, show. Finish the Andy Dick story. So she, so he says, he, he, you know, she comes on the show and I totally embarrassed her and him. And she's, he's like, just, just take out what she does for a living and, and take out when you embarrassed her. And I said, okay, okay. I'm going to take them both out. And then, um, I decided I'm going to wait to air the episode a week. And three days later, he texts me. Just bleep her name. We broke up. I knew that. <laughs> well, so huh? uh, I knew that. I was waiting for the punchline. I've known Andy for twenty years. He is not a drug addict. He is an alcoholic, and he he 
does not want to accept that. And he's a he's just an everyday garden variety alcoholic. It's not special. It's not interesting. It's not drugs. It's not Sam Kinison. It's not heroin. Now, do I it's have just to take alcoholic. that out? Do I have to take that out? What, that he's alcoholic? That you're mentioning Andy Dick is an alcoholic? He's He was on Celebrity Rehab. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have to take it out. But it's really hard for him. And, and I, I empathize with that because alcoholics real alcoholics are are kind of marginalized in the modern addiction world even right like AA, they're not even like they're not AA, they are right right i see them in treatment and they feel like i don't know if i should be here like you're an alcoholic right. that's the disease that qualifies you for being here but junkies are such elitists and you know, coke addicts are such narcissists and the whole thing is such a mishigash that they think Oh, I just drink. I shouldn't probably be here. And that's been well, Andy's thing for decades. All of those things are excuses to keep people from getting sober. It's like I went to AA for years and I was like, I'm not really an alcoholic. I don't belong here. The alcoholics in treatment. He says, I'm not a junkie. I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. so, everybody, it's so everybody can run home and get drunk and high. You know what I mean? That's that's that whole thing. You know, and that's that's I, I what he does is that, that, you know, that he brings up drugs. And he was never into drugs. Nobody's saying he's a drug addict. People don't understand, man, that alcoholics and drug addicts, man, they will do anything to get high one more exactly. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One, that's the last one they're going to do always. It's always going to be the last time they get high. And just that one last one. That's why anything. I'm scared. <clears throat> I'm scared of Dennis and having to have liquid volume and being unconscious when they do the the implants. And that's why I stayed away yeah, from it. I have to. I I think the thing that that Mike was saying before that where junkies can take a lot of pain. The thing is that I remember the last time that I kicked dope, I expected to be so sick. You know, and you're just fucking ready for it. The worst thing ever. And then like day three comes and you're like, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Wait a minute. And that happened like, to you too? Yeah. That happened to me? It only happens with heroin. It doesn't happen with Suboxone. I guarantee you that. No, but tell some more about that because that's exactly what happened with me. Well, because you've been sick so many times and you've had the worst thing ever or you didn't know how bad it was going to be and then finally you're at your last time and you're expecting you know you're expecting your skin to crawl off your body you're expecting the pain to be so bad the cravings to be so bad the misery to be so bad that the expectation is actually worse than the reality well and that's what we do about the dentist I think it's a god thing I don't oh, know why Jesus. I'm just some sort of weird yeah Bob thinks it's crazy that's crazy but I believe I somehow you, I was given a pass. Well, my last, my very last time, I was expecting, just like Dave, to be just completely fucking floored. And guess what? I just laid there and I went, and it just was done. Guess it what? It was done. Guess was what? Done. You were smoking crack around the clock for a year and a half straight. <laughs> I was shooting a lot of dope, too. I know, but the coke flushes the opiates out of your system. It's a crazy These are my thing. favorite theories, by the way. You, this guess, is my favorite shit right no, here. No, but I'll guarantee you this. Know, there is no such thing as a God taking away your Suboxone withdrawals. I guarantee you that. Heroin well, is Suboxone is a, much harder to kick than, it's uh, way than methadone? Harder. It's like methadone. Than methadone? Yeah, it's like methadone. It's like methadone. So I that's kicked methadone. What, I was on methadone for seven years. I kicked that shit. Yeah, you didn't it. have a I feel better on day three experience with that. Come on. 
No, I, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, no, I didn't. Well, that's what I'm I was saying. Sick, I, was sick kids, for, I was sick for like, for like 60 days. The I kids think. nowadays are 60 suffering. days? Yeah. Just cold, cold inside. And it was at the last, but that wasn't the last time you started shooting dope after yeah, 60 yeah, days, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So of yeah. course you're not sick I, anymore. I picked up a crazy, a crazy heroin habit again, I, I and then to, I kicked that, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I hate bring science into this, but okay, the, so the opi- the heroin short term is water soluble, it, but it's no, but it's three to five days of withdrawal. That's all there is. There's, it doesn't go beyond five days. You may be malnourished, you may be depressed, you may have bipolar disorder, but heroin withdrawal is three to five days. Synthetic opiates, oxycontin, methadone, suboxone, is seven to fourteen days. That's okay, why okay. people can't get sober nowadays because they're all on suboxone. Okay, Mister Scientist guy, then tell me that heroin. Tell people not to do suboxone. Heroin is a natural thing that dissolves in water. This has been my theory forever, and I think it's true. Synthetic. Goes into your bone marrow, stays in your body, doesn't come out of your body. No, the myth is it goes into your bone marrow. What it is is it's long acting. It stays in your system for 48 hours. Heroin's out of your system in seven, right? People, you know that. You know it because all three of us were heroin addicts. I'm telling you, in in seven hours, you need more heroin just to to be okay. Yeah. To have a smile on your face. If you Whereas do, the methadone will give you a day. Yeah, you methadone can, you, you gives can, you yeah. all day for sure. You take, say, it, you take it at 8 in the morning. You're that's still, a lot. You're still pretty cool at 8 o'clock <laughs> at night. But I'm telling you, the problem that we older addicts had was coke. We were flushing the, the opiate drugs out of our system every second. Mike, I was at your house smoking crack with you. You were I insane. He, Mike what? Mart smoked crack every 20 minutes for a year and a half, Dave. Oh, God. Every 20 minutes. You know, if I just stayed away from that crack, I'd be fine. I'd still be shooting some heroin, <laughs> just a little bit of heroin every day, man. No, the crack God ruins crack. everything. Fucking Whoever man. invented crack was a genius and, a, and an evil man. That's the truth. Did you ever smoke crack, Dave? Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> Did you it's, ever? It's the worst. It's the worst, right? <laughs> I remember the first time I smoked it was in that bridge park in the Lower East Side, New York, whatever it is. You know, where the, you know, Tompkins Square, Tompkins park. Square park. So it was 1983. It was winter of 1983. It was the new music seminar. I was roadie in for the Chili Peppers. Me and Anthony Flea walked through that park, and the guy goes, Want to buy some Coke? And we were like, Of course. Of course we do. <laughs> and I remember Anthony got it. And we bring it back to the apartment we're staying in. And he starts looking at it. And he goes, I don't know what this is. And, and it was crack. And we, <laughs> we, that became a lifelong experience with that drug. But if we wouldn't have walked right. through that park, our lives would be so different. So, Dave, is it cheap <laughs> to buy heroin still in New York City? Like, I mean, you could buy like. Uh, a, cheap a is t- relative. Right. What, I don't what, know. I mean, last time I bought heroin, it was I bought heroin. Last time I bought heroin was was I want to say five years ago. I, it was the last time I did heroin, and it was a one-time thing. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I, w- I would take. They still huh? have the dime bags. Yeah, yeah. I actually had this dealer who lived in in a, a, a shelter 
And um, I was like, dude, I had money. You know, I, I was taking pills every once in a while. And I was taking Percocets every once in a while. And I was like, I just want to do dope. I just want to feel it again. I'm, I'm like, I'm like pussy sitting around. I want to feel it. How many bags um, so did you I, Well, I call him up and I was like, dude, I don't want a whole bundle, but I'll pay you a hundred bucks. Come over. I'll pay the cab fare. Come over. Bring me dope. Bring me needles. I don't want to leave the house because I had money. Um, and he, he comes over and he goes, I go, you keep three bags and you give me, and you give me five or something I said, but I'm only going to shoot one. And I shot one and I was like, dude, your dope isn't shit. I haven't done dope in four years. I don't even feel the bag. And he goes, he goes, all right, we'll shoot some more. So I shot another two bags of his dope. And I swear to God, first I just started vomiting projectile. And then I literally felt I was being raped by the devil. Like I felt, <laughs> wow. you know, cause I was not conditioned for the dope. I hadn't done dope in four years and, and I shot three bags and I was like, I was just, it was so bad and I was so high. Like, and I was, it was just like, I was, was like, probably, I'm not doing this again. It was, probably, it was like, it was fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. It's fentanyl or it was, it was methadone. You know, the last times I was on real heroin was New York City dope. I would drive up from Richmond. I'd buy a bindle, a hundred bucks for you at home. A uh, hundred, uh, 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 what is it? Yeah. No, I'd buy a hundred bags for $700. Yeah. That's right. A and I would deal. sell half of them and then you kind of break even. Kind of. Not really. But you never really do, but, but you keep going. Like, but you know wait, what I'm wait, saying? Because I would wait. drive to New York. That's from Richmond. a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money. <laughs> no, but but if you in Richmond, Virginia, you could sell a bag for fifteen dollars. Right, right. Of course, it's so, an investment. If you're not so, going to do all the fucking dope, which so you I are, do that. This is the the weeks after Kurt Cobain killed himself, April of 1994, May of 1994. So I go into rehab in June. And, you know, and I'm kicking and it's awful and I'm thinking I'm old and, oh, my God, and I've got AIDS and I'm going to die and whatever. And finally, yeah. after three days, the guy, the doctor comes to me and goes, how come you didn't tell us when you came in that you were on methadone? And I go, I'm not on methadone. And they go, you sure are. <laughs> oh right, right, they right. had methadone in the New York City dope that were selling to dumb hicks from Virginia. That's, you know, I'm not thinking that real dope fiends in Lower East Side were getting that dope. They just No, everybody's getting, everybody's getting some, whatever they're selling. Nobody, it's not like you're the cool New Yorker and you're going to get the good stuff. Everybody so? is getting think so. whatever they're fucking selling. Well, it was methadone, right? So Mike's nervous. It's an hour and ten. He doesn't oh know what to do God. with an hour, an hour and ten and podcast. Ten. It's it's a it's this is a two hour podcast. <laughs> oh, it's a hundred and ten minutes. In ten minutes. It's, it's a hundred and ten minutes. Podcast. It's gonna have to be part one, part two. Part one, part two. The I only signed up for twenty minutes. I need you to cut out eighty <laughs> oh, percent of this stuff. Just make me sound this, smart dude. and funny. Make we'll me sound smart it. and funny. That's all I care about. Contractually. You can say that we can only only uh, put out twenty minutes of your conversation. How no, are you going to get him to talk for twenty minutes on Wednesday? That's what I want to know. This is what I want you to focus on for Wednesday, Bob: the gratitude of Thanksgiving, the peril of the fire, and a dopey story. But that's I have what this, I need. Look, I have, that's a three-hour podcast. I have this, right there. But I have this <laughs> duality because what is like. You know what you're grateful for is my kids. They're healthy and fun to be around and whatever. They're also a pain in the ass. You know they really are. Kind of. Let's admit it. 
sure children suck and they're the best yeah so yeah. it's a blessing and a curse so that, that's the duality of my life like boy this sure has changed from the beginning when you said you know as fathers we have to be involved no you have to children. be involved it does that's what i'm trying to tell fathers it's not great i'm just saying be involved okay you know what I mean? No, this is why Bob is such an amazing podcaster, because he can go both sides of an issue within a two-hour period pretty naturally. I'm, he can no, circumvent I really, the globe. I, I really it. think that guys are killing themselves and feeling disen, disen, disengaged and not a part of their community. The, listen, the leading cause of death for white males between the ages of 35 and 54 is suicide. <sighs> And there's a reason for that, Dave. It's because we're not present in our families and not present with our kids and not open and talking about stuff that we're going through. We're just all like, well, I just go to work and I just watch football and that's all I do. You know what I mean? I've had lots of acquaintances kill themselves and, and I go back in time and they, they just never talk about anything real or important, like feeling like a shitty father. Or thinking right. your kids are a pain in the ass, or right. or like my wife won't sleep with me. I have a friend of mine who was going through a who's been going through a nervous breakdown for like four years. Told me that you know everybody thinks he had this idealized marriage. He said we haven't had sex in eight years. I was like, dude, how do you how do you have a marriage like that? You know what I mean? But I think I'm one of the only people he told that to. Right. right. And so men need to talk about men things. need to talk to other men. That's, you know, one time I, uh, I was having a really tough time. This was just recently and I've never really been one to sort of break down and say, you know, I need to talk, man. I need to talk to somebody. I had to come and talk to Bob and it was just basically, we just talked and hugged and man, you know, we just talked about things and things going wrong and you know, just really, people need to just talk. Men need to talk to each other. Yeah, and I think it, the best way of doing it is get involved with your kids. Is take. I tell all my friends, dude, when's the last time you took your kids by yourself somewhere? Because it's always like family thing or grandma thing or whatever. Just take your kids and go somewhere. Mike does it all the time. He's doing it tonight, right here, right now. They're here, right in and, the other room. And I, I, I try to just unburden, you know, Chrissy with the kids and I just go and it doesn't have to be, it can be just for four hours, but you're the one driving them places and by yourself. And like, I took them to the 99 cent store yesterday. We were there for like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> My youngest this morning, I was not feeling, I worked until, you know, 3 a.m. last night and my youngest uh, was up when I got home. She had been, She'd woken back up and she said, Dad, I want to go hiking tomorrow. I want to go looking for snakes. And I said, uh, okay, well, we'll get up real early and we'll do that. <laughs> and so we went and we we had breakfast and we hiked in San Pedro at the Nature Trails. And that was this morning. Look for snakes? Yeah. There you go. Do but, that and I guarantee you you'll keep the wolves at bay. I guarantee you. It's the only thing that works is being human with the people around you. And guys don't do that enough. Right. Yeah, I don't spend I don't spend the same kind of time alone with my daughter that I used to, you know. And when I do, it's the best because it's just an adventure, you know what I mean. And you're all of a sudden a kid with them, and it's the best. I agree. There you go. All right. Well, we've been talking all night. I love you. I'll be out there. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I'll keep it short. Believe it or not, now that I'm challenged by Mike, I, re I, I want it. you guys to know I remained silent for four days. In 
for five days and four nights at a silent retreat just because somebody challenged me that I couldn't do it. So I will do the Dopey Podcast on Wednesday, 20 minutes to the minute. <laughs> You can right? do 25. We're, <laughs> okay. good. We're good for 25. I can't wait for this. <laughs> I know you can do it. You're a professional, bro. I, can do it. I, I have well, every I confidence you. in you. Every there confidence. You All right. Thank well, you for having me night. on. Thank you for it. being on. Love Dave, you. man. It's great to talk to you. Love you, yes. love you. Love Peace you guys. out, brother. See you later. Yes. Good night. And that's a lot that, of money. That's a, that's, that's a long podcast. podcast. <laughs> that was the longest podcast. Wait, you know what we should do, Mike? We should find out what is the longest podcast ever broadcast. I know I can break that record. No. Yeah. We could be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Dang. I can talk for 24 straight Help hours. Me out of here, I guarantee you, he I can, can do a 24-hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we can live stream for 24 hours. I could do it. I could do it. It's like they shoot horses, don't they? It's <laughs> exactly what it's like. That's just there. Right, Good night, you guys. I will do it, Thank Dave. You. I'm telling you. Good night. Bob, Bob, do it. Make it happen. Get in the world record book. I want to be the Guinness Book of World Records. That's it. Okay. Good night, Dave. See you later. Bye-bye. Good night, guys. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.